Welcome to the Rockcast. I am your host, Monty Colvin. So what? So glad you could join me for episode number 255. And the other day I was thinking, wow, 255 shows. That's a lot. But then I thought, you know, I've been doing this since 2008. Uh, Maybe I should have done a lot more. Uh, yeah. But hey, I've done 254 shows so far and haven't run out of anything to talk about yet, so I guess that's pretty good. I mean, I've tried to keep things fresh and not talk about the same thing over and over. You know, kind of like they do on ESPN where they talk about Tom Brady five days a week, year round. I don't want to hear it! Yeah, so I try to keep it interesting for everyone and hopefully this episode will not be an exception. And I don't think it will be because this is what I like to refer to as my year-end special. And today I'll be recapping the year that was 2022. And as part of this annual tradition, I will be handing out my Rock Casty Awards. Wow! Yes, you always see the Grammys, the Emmys, the ESPYs. Well, I have the Rock Casties. And what are the Rock Casties, you may ask? Well, they're my awards for the best and worst in everything. Music, TV, sports, uh, anything, you name it. If I loved it a lot or hated it a lot, uh, it's going to get a rock casty. However, I'm also going to do some of the usual that I do on this show, like reading your emails and so forth and answering your questions. And I'll get to all that in a bit, but uh, right now, let's get things started with some rock casties. And the first category is best new trends. I'm going to start out being positive. And the first new trend that I thought was a good one was TV shows exposing people to good songs. Now, I don't watch this show myself, but on Netflix, there's uh, something called Stranger Things. From what I can tell, it's about supernatural stuff, and apparently young people love it. And at some point on the most recent season, they played the songs uh, Running Up That Hill by uh, Kate Bush and Master of Puppets by Metallica. And both of those are great songs, and people started listening to them all of a sudden. And honestly, I thought that was great. Instead of listening to something like Katy Perry, all of a sudden they know who Kate Bush is. And so good, it's about time. Something else I'm going to nominate as a best new trend is bald guys growing beards. I know this isn't a totally new thing, but uh, it's kind of like tattoos. It used to be that some people had them and now everybody has them because they think it makes them look cool. And I kind of noticed this over the last year with guys who had lost their hair. They just went ahead and shaved their whole head and then grew a big giant beard. And instead of looking at that receding hairline or that big bald spot, now they just look at that giant ZZ Top beard and think, yeah, that's pretty cool. And so good on those guys for doing that. And I'm going to keep it in mind for myself. Right now my hair is hanging in there, but you never know what the future holds. But the winner of the Rock Casty for the best trend in 2022 is that most people stopped covering their faces with masks. Oh no. Sure, I still see people in stores or even outside walking their dogs wearing those stupid face coverings. And they still think that somehow wearing a piece of cloth or paper over your nose and mouth is somehow going to keep you from getting COVID from the air. But for the majority of the rest of us, we decided to take back our freedom. And sure, there may come a time when the corrupt politicians want to lock us down again and make us put those things back on. But for the last year, it's just been nice to see people's faces again. 
No, uh, well, most of your faces. Oh, hey! Now, how about the worst new trends in 2022? Well, for me being a sports fan, one thing I found this past year that I really did not like is the influx of women announcers in televised men's sports. What? Now, I know this probably won't be a popular opinion to a lot of people, and I'm probably going to sound like a sexist, but if I'm watching a National Basketball Association game played by men, I don't really enjoy having a woman who never played or coached in the NBA try to explain everything about the game to me. But it's not just basketball. Now we have women doing the color commentating on Major League Baseball games. I've even heard them on men's hockey. And of course, if it's ESPN where everything is woke now, most of the hosts on all of their shows are now women. And are they on there because they're more qualified than men or former athletes? I don't know, but my hunch is they're on there because of diversity or equality. And I'm just personally getting really sick of all that bullshit. Which leads me to the next nominee and winner of the worst new trend of 2022, pronouns. Yes, as part of our social training and brainwashing, certain individuals and groups of people have suddenly decided they want to change all the rules on how we talk. And if we don't all abide by those rules, it just makes us really bad people. But I think I have a solution for all of this nonsense. How about instead of you getting offended if I call you the wrong him, her, they, them, and you just get over yourself and don't expect the rest of us to walk on eggshells? How about that? Homophobe! All right, let's get off the politics for now. Maybe I'll go back to some of that later. But right now, let's give out the next rock casty. And this is in the category of best TV show. And this has gotten increasingly difficult over the years, especially for network TV. I mean, there used to be stuff like Andy Griffith, Dick Van Dyke. Uh, later years, we had Seinfeld and Friends. But now sitcoms just absolutely blow. And I used to love late night TV like Conan O'Brien and Letterman. But those guys have been replaced with political hacks like Stephen Colbert. And that stuff is just unwatchable. So instead, I've had to turn to places like Netflix. And the best two shows I saw on there this year were Ozark and a miniseries called The Queen's Gambit. And neither one of these shows were funny, but they were well acted and well written. And so I'm going to say that both of them went a rock casty. Now, as far as worst TV show of the year, well, there were so many. Besides the before mentioned Stephen Colbert show, you had stuff like The Mass Singer and The Voice. Now, I did not watch any of those shows this year. But I've seen them before, and I could just tell by the commercials that they still undoubtedly suck. But before you think any of those shows are going to get a rock casty, no, just hold your horses. The winner this year for the worst TV show for me was Big Brother. I've been watching this show since it came on like 20 years ago, and it used to be one of my favorite shows. But the last two seasons have all been about woke politics and playing the race card. And I finally just stopped watching it about halfway through the season. And I don't plan on watching it ever again because Big Brother has just turned into a big pile of shit and they win the rock casty for worst TV. It sucks. Now, on the other hand, there are a few shows that uh, aren't great, but they're not good, uh, but they're not terrible. They're just disappointing. And so the winner of most disappointing TV show goes to Dead to Me on Netflix. I really liked the first season or two of this show, but then they had a long hiatus, I think because of COVID and then Christina Applegate got ill. And then when it came back this year, uh, it was just kind of lame and boring. It's like they tried to turn it into kind of a screwball comedy or something that just didn't work for me. But whatever, I mostly watch sports on TV anyway. 
And that would lead me to the next category, which is Best Sports Moment of 2022. And the first nominee is Argentina defeating France in the World Cup of Soccer. And you're probably saying, but Monty, I thought you hated soccer. And well, I do. You would be correct about that. And I did not watch a single second of any of the World Cup games. And so why is Argentina against France nominated for a rock casty for best sports moment? Because as soon as that game was over, I no longer had to hear about the World Cup of Soccer. That's a very, very good point. All right, next nominee for best sports moment. It's when Jordan Poole of the Golden State Warriors got punched in the face by one of his teammates. Awesome! There was a time when I liked Golden State, but they have just turned into the biggest bunch of assholes. I hate how arrogant they are and how they celebrate after every made basket. I hate their coach, Steve Kerr, and I pretty much hate everyone on that team. But the player I hate the most is Jordan Poole. But when I saw his own teammate, Draymond Green, basically knock the crap out of him in practice, it just put a huge smile on my face. It was a joy to watch. And so that was a great sports moment. But for me, the best one of all, and this will come as no surprise, it was the Colorado Avalanche hockey team winning the Stanley Cup championship. They're the polar opposite of teams like the Golden State Warriors. They're a bunch of good guys who just go out and get it done. And I can't tell you how much I love that team and I love hockey. And when they raised the banner up to the top of the arena in Denver, I literally had tears in my eyes. And so there you go, best sports moment. But enough about sports for the time being. Let's get to something that you might actually be interested in. Like, what was the biggest surprise in music this year? Well, for me, and the first nominee for a rock casty, was hearing a new song by Metallica and actually liking it. Shocking! Yeah, I was surprised when I heard this. So the new Metallica, was I surprised it was this good? Yeah. This song is an ass kicker. Reminds me of something they would have done earlier in their career. Reminds me of Motorhead. And all that's good. However, I'm not going to freak out over it. I think it's definitely better than a lot of the stuff they've done over the last 20 or 30 years. But if I wrote this song or a lesser known band had put this out, would anybody care? I doubt it. It's definitely really good, but it's also kind of sad that we're all really surprised that Metallica did a really good song. I am blown away. Now the second nominee for the biggest surprise in music this year is the Smashing Pumpkins coming out with a new song that I didn't hate. I've never been a big fan of Smashing Pumpkins and a lot of their stuff I just don't really like. But when I heard this song on the radio a couple of months ago, I thought, wow, Billy Corgan, great song. Yeah, 
So for years now on the year-end special, I've been playing you my top 10 songs of the year. But this year, I've decided that I'm not going to do that. But if I were to do that, this song would have been on there. I love the riff, I love the groove, and when they go into that little chorus part, uh, just great, great stuff. I'll be giving out more rock casties later, but right now I'm going to get to some of your questions. And let's face it, most of the people that listen to this show, I get it. You listen to it because you know me from my musical career. You liked a lot of the bands that I've been in and uh, you know, you've had a lot of questions for me about those bands. And today is no exception. I've got several questions relating to The Awful Truth, to Galactic Cowboys, and to my solo project, Crunchy. And the first one is about Crunchy, and it's from Darren Thurman Smith. And Darren says, Hey Monty, been watching some of the Crunchy videos and loving it. Has anyone ever told you that you sound a bit like the Galactic Cowboys? Well, you know, Darren, surprisingly, I have not. Especially on the first two Crunchy albums. In fact, I got a lot of criticism early on from people that thought they were either too punk or too pop. And that was probably a fair criticism. It was a little different, and that's kind of what I wanted. But at the same time, there was a lot of galactic stuff that was kind of poppy and, uh, you know, punk at times. Plus, I sing lead vocals on quite a few galactic songs, and so I was kind of surprised when people thought it was just so much different. But the last Crunchy album I did, which was Loserville, I thought the writing on there was a lot more like the stuff I did with Galactic Cowboys. A lot of it leaned more toward metal, and of course it just had tons of vocal harmonies. And honestly, I think we could have taken any or all of those songs and put them on a Galactic Cowboy album, and everyone would have just said, oh yeah, Galactic Cowboys, awesome. But no, I haven't really had a lot of people tell me it sounds like Galactic Cowboys, but thank you for saying that. I appreciate it. It's kind of like somebody telling Ginger Wildheart that his solo stuff sounds like the Wildhearts. It's like, yeah, there's a good reason for that. But anyway, the next question comes from Hayden L. Curtis. And Hayden says, I've been listening to the Awful Truth LP the last few weeks. Was your producer manager, Sam Taylor, that heavy-handed on all the groups in his stable? Or were King's X, Galactic Cowboys, and The Awful Truth, and the extended family all built on the same foundations musically? The Awful Truth guitar tones are like Ty Tabor, David Von Olerking sings like a white Doug Pennock, and Alan Doss's drumming could pass for Jerry Gaskell. I could easily hear Ben Huggins singing on these Awful Truth songs with your thundering bass and the crew on the background vocals. Okay, I think by the crew he means myself, uh, Dane, and Alan on background vocals. And then Hayden finishes it off by saying so many interchangeable elements between these bands and records. All brothers from a different mother. Okay, well, a lot of that I actually don't agree with, uh, and I will explain it and break it down for you now. And so let's start at the beginning with, was Sam Taylor that heavy-handed on all the groups in his stable? When we all started doing this, which was back in the late 80s, I don't think any of the bands or the musicians in any of those bands uh, were thinking that it was going to turn into this music factory or that it was going to be looked at as the Houston sound or, you know, the Sam Taylor projects. We were all just very creative. We were wanting to play music, and Sam was there wanting to manage us, and we all knew that he had worked with ZZ Top. He had experience in the music business, and he had a lot of connections. 
He also had a lot of great ideas musically. He was really good at arranging songs, and I learned a lot from him. And I'm not going to speak for King's X or other bands that worked with him, but I do think he had some influence on the first couple of King's X records as to how they sounded. And one of the things that he did with them that the Beatles also did in their recordings was layer the vocals. He'd have a guy sing his part and then he'd double track it and sometimes triple track that vocal. And then when you put them all together, it sounds awesome. And so when The Awful Truth went into the studio with him, that's what he did with us. And I'll never forget going into the control room and hearing all the vocals on Ghost of Heaven for the first time. It sounded amazing. So I can kind of see where some people might compare The Awful Truth to King's X as far as the production, at least as far as the background vocals, but that's pretty much it. As far as were we built on the same foundations musically? Well, since Galactic Cowboys have been compared to King's X for over 30 years, I'll answer that this way. I think the biggest common denominator between the two bands was always the Beatles. I know Ty and Jerry were big Beatles fans. I know Alan and I are big Beatles fans. And so was Sam Taylor. But when it came to the awful truth, we were doing a lot of David songs. And David was into stuff like Susie and the Banshees, The Cure. Uh, I was into Killing Joke. And I was also getting really into Thrash at the time. And that was really part of what broke us up. I was wanting to push us more into a metal direction, and David did not want that at all. Or at least that was my perception. Now, as far as David Von Oler King singing like a white Doug Pennick, I don't hear that at all. Doug's got a real soulful voice. I always thought uh, David sounded more like uh, Robert Smith from The Cure. And as far as his guitar tone sounding like Ty's, I don't get that either. David was using a Rockman as an amp, and uh, he was using a thousand effects. And Ty's always played through amps, and I don't think uh, Ty sounds like anybody else. Ty just sounds like Ty. As far as Alan Doss sounding like Jerry Gaskell on drums, well, they both liked Ringo. So maybe that's where the similarity is on that, but I played with them both on albums. And I hate to say this, and it's no slight on Jerry, because Jerry is great, and I'll talk more about him in a minute, but uh, if you gave me my choice, I'd take Alan. And let's see, the part where Hayden says that he could hear Ben Huggins singing Awful Truth songs? Uh, well, it would have been way different, but believe it or not, I actually suggested when I was still in The Awful Truth that uh, we get Ben as our singer. Ben used to come to our shows, and early on in The Awful Truth, I told David, hey, I met this guy, he's a good singer, and he looks like he'd be a great-looking frontman. And David was just like, nah, I want to sing. But the night The Awful Truth broke up, there was Ben helping me load my gear out. <laughs> and a couple of weeks later, I was like, uh, hey, Ben, uh, how'd you like to try out for this new band I've got? And so, yeah, all those bands kind of intertwined. We were all hanging out with each other. We were all friends. And it was a good thing early on. We tried to encourage each other and help each other out. But I think after a while, the whole misconception that we were all just puppets of Sam Taylor, it just got really old. 
And just speaking for myself, when we were in the studio doing uh, the Space in Your Face album, it was our last album that we did with Sam, and you could just cut the tension with a knife. And even though I look back on it as our best album we ever did, and most of the ideas and input that Sam had that went into that album were just brilliant, by the end of it, I was just really done. And when Sam told us that he was no longer going to be our manager, uh, inside I was just like, hallelujah. It was just time for a change. But funny enough, I also got a question recently from Matt in St. Louis about a song on that album. And Matt says, question for the rock cast. Did you write the lyrics for I Do What I Do? And if so, did you have Romans 7 in mind? Okay, well, thanks for the question, Matt. And first of all, I am not a Bible scholar, and so I had to look it up to even find out what Romans 7 says. But to answer your question, uh, yes, I did write the lyrics to I Do What I Do. And I also wrote the music, but no, it didn't have anything to do with the Bible verse. It actually started one day when we were on tour with King's X. And I went up to the before-mentioned Jerry Gaskell after the show... And I said, dude, you are so good, man. And he looked at me and kind of laughed and smiled. And he said, you know, thank you. But, uh, you know, I just do what I do. I do what I do. And I thought about that later. And I could just relate to it so much. Because it doesn't matter how good you are. It just seems like there will always be somebody else that's better. And I've always looked at myself as I'm a rocker, I uh, entertain people, I have fun, I go out and try to crush people's skulls. But if you want to compare me to Billy Sheehan, I will never be that good. And so that's kind of what that song's about. And I wrote it at a time when we were on Geffen and I knew everyone was going to be comparing us to everyone. But I thought, hey, as long as we have a chance to be out there, it doesn't matter. All we can do is the best that we can, and all I can do is just do what I do. Now, musically, I started out with a riff that I thought maybe sounded something like you might find on a uh, Megadeth album. Kind of a heavy, thrashy thing. But then I combined it with a song and melody that I thought you might find on Hard Day's Night by the Beatles. And from that, it ended up being this. You know, when we first recorded this, I think we all looked at each other and went, oh yeah, now that is a hit song. We were on Geffen and we thought we had the whole corporate machine behind us and we thought it was just a matter of getting it out there on radio and letting people hear it and it was just going to take off. And they actually did push it for a while, but uh, this was the early 90s. And I think a lot of you will remember this radio station called Z-Rock. It was kind of an all-metal station. 
And I listened to it a lot, and they played all kinds of stuff like Megadeth and all this heavy stuff. But they also played a lot of metal ballads and bands like Mr. Big. And while we were on tour back then, one of the guys from Z-Rock, I think he was like a promoter or a uh, programmer or somebody, he came out to see us and he came back to the dressing room and he was talking to me. And he told me, Monty, we love that song. I think it's going to be a huge hit. And they had a top 40 countdown every week on that station. And the song gradually climbed all the way up to number 25. But Geffen never had us do a video for it. And after a while, they quit talking about it. And all the hype just went away. And so it was just another one of those disappointing times in our career. But when I think back on this song, I always think, you know, I do what I do was what it was. I still feel like it was a really good song and I wish more people would have heard it because I think it was quirky and special and just kind of different. It wasn't just the same old thing and I'm proud of that. Time now to get back to the year-end special and hand out some more rock casties. And the next category is the best comebacks of 2022. And the first nominee is for the TV show Ink Master. Now, I have no tattoos on my body, not one, but I do like the art of it and there's a lot of talented tattooers on the show. And it always makes me wish that I would have learned how to do that. But it's probably too late now, so I just enjoy watching this show. But they went away for a year or two because of COVID. But it came back this year, and I watched the whole season in about a week. And it was pretty good. I liked it. So welcome back, Ink Masters. Now, the next nominee for Best Comeback was the Minnesota Vikings a couple of weeks ago coming back from 33 down at halftime to beat the Indy Colts. And that was so nice to see because I still like the Vikings. I've liked them since I was a kid. But the nicest thing about it was that I was not on the losing end of a major comeback because that's happened to me so many times over the course of my life. For instance, I was rooting for the Oilers back in the 90s when the Bills came from 30 behind to beat them. And I was rooting for the Chiefs when Andrew Luck and the Colts came back from about 30 to beat them in the playoffs. But the winner of the Rock Casty for best comeback this year was Pantera. And I'm giving this award to Pantera on behalf of their fans. Because to me, uh, it's really not that big of a deal. What? But let me explain. I'm happy to see that there's a band out there called Pantera playing those songs, even if it's not uh, really Pantera. How dare you? And the reason I'm happy is because a lot of the fans are happy, and I'm always happy when uh, there's something going on in metal that people are excited about. But I have seen some of the video of some of the shows they've been doing, and I kind of had mixed emotions. On the good side, uh, it does sound like Pantera. You got Phil's voice, Charlie's doing an amazing job on the drums, and I'm fine with Zach Wilde on guitar. But on the downside, I gotta be honest, uh, you know, when I watched it, uh, there was something about it that just left me a little bit cold. It's like, you know, if Jeff Beck and uh, Mike Portnoy filled in for Charlie Watts and Keith Richards on a Stones tour, you're not going to miss out on anything musician-wise, but there's still going to be something there that's just missing. And it's kind of the way I felt when I'd see Phil do Phil Anselmo shows with his own band. 
and they do Pantera songs and they sound great. But it still wasn't Pantera, it just lacked something. But for what it's worth, I'm glad that there's a Pantera tour going on. And if I could afford it, I'd like to go too, but I probably won't. But the big question is, should the guys that are touring now as Pantera go into a studio and do a new album? Yeah, have you thought about that? Would that be wrong? Well, it probably would be if those guys called it Pantera. But I heard somebody have an idea that I thought was absolutely brilliant. It was Chris Aiken on the Classic Metal Show. And he said, if they want to record new songs and make a new album, just call it something else, like Cowboys from Hell. And I thought, you know, that is perfect. It'd be like, here's a new band, they're called Cowboys from Hell, they sound a lot like Pantera, and they should, and they totally kick ass, and uh, I would love to hear that. But I don't know, and I'm not going to lose any sleep over it, so let's just move on to the next rock casty. And I know you've all been waiting for this one. It's the Rock Casty for the best drinking game. <laughs> yeah! Yeah, I've seen your posts on Facebook. There's a lot of you out there that like to throw one back before you throw it up. And as gross as that is to me, I know there's a lot of people that like to turn their alcoholism into a game. And so this year, the nominees are Beer Pong, You Laugh, You Drink, King's Cup, Wrecked, and Circle of Death. And I'm sure all of those are just great, but the winner of the Rock Casty is a drinking game that I invented. And you may have heard of this by now because it's presently the rage at many college fraternities, but it's called Spot the Whitey. Say what? And here's how it works. You get a group of people in front of a TV, and when the commercials come on, if you see a white person, you have to take a shot. The only problem is sometimes this game can last for hours. So it requires a little bit of patience. Just don't get frustrated because you're going to be sitting there going, okay, there's a black guy and his wife is Asian and their two kids are Hispanic for some reason. And you'll just have to wait till the next commercial. And there may be times when you just think you saw a white person in a commercial. And it may turn out that it's just a light-skinned Indian guy. And for those situations, I just suggest possibly pausing it with a remote. Now, if you're like me and you don't drink at all but you still want to play, well, I just substitute beer or alcohol for, uh, you know, a cookie. You don't get drunk, and there's a good chance you might get diabetes, but uh, you have fun nonetheless. Unbelievably stupid idea. The next category is Best Movie. And as you know, I don't go to a lot of movies. In fact, I didn't go to a movie theater all year. And for that matter, I didn't even really watch a lot of movies on TV. But I did watch one that I did like, and it was the Weird Al movie, Weird. It was funny and silly and ridiculous, and they don't make a lot of movies like that anymore, and I love those kind of movies. And so Weird gets the rock casty for best movie. That is just weird. Now for worst movie of the year, I'm going to go with Black Adam. I did not see it, but the previews looked horrible. So there you go. It is phenomenal. All right, next is a new category. And it's for the most head-scratching moment of the year to the point where I said, holy shit, how could this happen? <laughs> Jeez, man. Yeah, the name of the award is a little bit long, but it's very fitting. And the first nominee is that the state of Pennsylvania elected a stroke victim to be their representative in the Senate. How can this happen? Now, let me be very clear. I feel very sorry for anyone who has had a stroke. But if you're going to run for office in this country, I would think one of the qualifications would be that you're able to talk and think clearly. But if you live in Pennsylvania, apparently that does not matter. I guess not! The next nominee is when I heard that the NHL has proclaimed that they need more diversity in their league because there's just too many whites playing hockey. I wish I was making that up, but I'm not. I'm good with that. 
The next nominee and the winner for most head-scratching moment. Joe Biden trades a Russian arms dealer for a WNBA player while leaving a Marine imprisoned in Russia. Yes, we traded a guy known as the most dangerous man on earth for a WNBA player who hates America. But the thing that really pissed me off was they left a Marine there who had already been there for four years. And call me crazy, but I just have a little bit more respect for the Marine than I do Brittany Griner. Truly insane. Okay, turning back to music, uh, how about we do the worst song of the year? And this is always a hard one because there's just so much to pick from. I mean, you got a slew of terrible songs that win Grammys. You got entire albums from bands like uh, Five Finger Death Punch. You could just pick one. But I'm going to go with one that I heard several times while Alex and I were out driving somewhere. And we'd have the radio on, and this song kept coming on, and I just could not stand it. And I didn't even know who did it, so I asked Alex if she could do one of those Shazam things on her phone. And so she did, and we found out the name of the band is Highly Suspect, and the name of the song is Natural Born Killer. And I guess it must be some kind of hit because they play it all the time. And I just absolutely hate this song. That sucked. So to me, that was the worst song of the year, but the worst album is a little more difficult because I'm sure there was a lot of stuff out there that was just god-awful that I didn't know about or hear about because I just don't have time to listen to everything. So out of respect for all of the shitty bands and pop artists and rappers who are very deserving of this award, Instead of worst album, I'm going to go with most disappointing. And no, it was not the new Ozzy Osbourne album. I actually thought there was some good stuff on there. But I did get a new album this year by a band that uh, I used to just love. That band being Disturbed. Back when they put out their first couple of albums, I just thought they were awesome. I love the hooks, the grooves, the riffs. And I always check out their new CDs, and this year was no different. And I got about halfway through it, and I just thought, this is so tired. And I hate to say it, because they're a great band, but I just really didn't need that duet with Ann Wilson. And so Diversity from Disturbed is my most disappointing CD of the year. This is very, very uh, unfortunate and disappointing news. Now, the award for Best Album of the Year was a lot easier for me. While I really enjoyed new releases from Fire from the Gods, Silverstein, Scary Kids Scaring Kids, and Rammstein... For me, the best album this year was from Coheed and Cambria, Vaxxus 2. Claudio Sanchez is a genius, let me just say that, get that out of the way. He wrote the whole album and it's just brilliant. Whether you like rock, metal, prog, or if you just love a good melody, this band put it all together in the form of a story and it's just great. So that was Coheed and Cambria with the best album of 2022. 
However, I didn't say it was my favorite album. There is a difference. And for all you metalcore, screamo haters, get ready to roll your eyes. Because the album I kept going back to over and over and just couldn't get enough of was Color Decay from The Devil Wears Prada. Oh, God! Ugh. Yeah, yeah, I get it. You either hate their music or you hate their name. But I'm going to stick up for them because I thought this album was great. Welcome to the The Devil Wears Prada has been around since 2005 and I used to really like them but I'd always think you know they're so heavy and they're so good I just wish they were more melodic. Their guitar player Jeremy has just such an amazing voice and I always wish that they would just write kind of better songs and lo and behold they finally did it and I'm sure a lot of their fans probably hate this album because it's so different from what they usually do but I just love it. Okay, so you know I love a good song. I'm a songwriter myself, and so I really appreciate the hard work and creativity that goes into making a song. And I just have so much respect and admiration for this guy. And I don't know when he wrote it or recorded it, but he put it out this year. And he's just another one of those genius types that is just prolific. And Ginger Wildheart did it once again. And my favorite song of the year is Ice. With the jeans so tight and the hair just right She's a chef to the light that spits through the eye of the glue She don't need much space to take over the place She can turn each face with a two-step walk in the room She commands all the light of the Let's see, a couple more rock casties, and the nominees for Best Concert are Ghost and Volbeat in Denver. I also saw Anthrax and uh, Black Label Society in Denver. I happened to catch Raven at a small club, and that was great. But the best concert of the year by far was Rammstein in Chicago at Soldier Field. Alex and I took a road trip there to see it, and it was great. Uh, if you ever get a chance to see them, do it. Okay. And in a category I'm sure you've all been waiting for, it's the Rock Casty for Most Irritating. Past winners have included Traffic, Cats, and Noisy Neighbors. 
But this year, the nominees are commercials on YouTube. I swear to God, YouTube, please just let me get through a minute and a half of the video I want to watch before you force me to see an ad from Liberty Mutual. Yeah, that would be nice. Uh, nominee number two is spell check on my phone. I don't mind suggestions for the words I want to type, but replacing every other word with a word that's not even close to the word that I wanted is just not cool. But my biggest irritation of the year is my Mac laptop, which suddenly and for no apparent reason just started doubling and sometimes tripling letters that I type. For example, if I try to type my name, Monty Colvin, it's M-O-O-N-T-Y-C-O-O-O-L-V-I-N-N. -N. And I've tried many things to try and fix it, but nothing works. And at this point, it looks like I either need the keyboard replaced or a whole new computer. And until I can afford that, uh, well, I guess I'll just deal with it. it. It begins to drive me into a frustrated rage. And finally, it's time to give the rock casty to the best question from a listener. I always welcome your thoughts and questions, and you've given me some really good ones this year. And this one is no exception. It's from James Nelson, who says, Hey, Monty, how's it going? What a great question. Ah, uh, well, thanks for asking, James. Uh, you know, I'm doing all right. Uh, it's been a pretty good year. We just got through the holidays. I've been here in Colorado for almost two years now. Uh, Alex and I have a nice little apartment. And we're really happy. Uh, I have no complaints. Uh, well, you know, for the most part. I mean, Alex has a couple of dogs, and I knew that when I moved here, and they're great. One's a little Jack Russell, and the other's a big, huge husky or something. The only problem is, when I moved in here, I kind of made a deal with the dogs. And I thought we had an agreement which was that I would overlook the whining and barking, ear flapping and staring at me all day and ignore the occasional defecating on the living room floor. I would also be willing to rub their bellies and feed them scraps off the table. All I asked for in exchange is that they don't bite me. Seems fair, right? Well, Thanksgiving Day had gone great. I watched some football and Alex just made this huge meal. Everything was delicious, and we finished up, and I was starting to clean off the table. Well, I'm starting to carry in dishes, and the big giant dog is right between me and the kitchen. And I was having a difficult time getting past her, so I just kind of took my foot and just kind of moved her back out of the way. To which she just chomped down on my foot. Ah! Well, needless to say, I was not happy. But the next day, I'm sitting there at the dinner table, and who walks in but the very dog that had bit me the day before. And she actually had the nerve to look at me and beg for dinner scraps. And I said, oh no, Lulu, you don't bite the hand that feeds, uh, nor do you bite the foot that walks you. I find that fascinating. But anyway, that was Thanksgiving, and uh, we had a great Christmas. Alex took me to a Chiefs-Broncos game and bought me a really cool Avalanche jersey. And thanks to everyone who ordered my prints and refrigerator magnets right before Christmas. Because with those orders, I was able to buy Alex a couple of presents and send my daughter something. And I just really appreciate everyone who helped save Christmas for me. Now, for New Year's, I pretty much do the same thing every year, which is nothing. And that's what we did once again this year, and that was fine with me. The only bummer is that on New Year's Eve day, I woke up to some really sad news that one of my friends had passed away. His name was Bob Nalbandian, and I've spoke about him many times on this show. And not only was he just a great guy, he was also kind of a legend. Back in the early 80s, Bob had a fanzine called The Headbanger. And he was one of the first guys to talk about Metallica and Slayer and the whole thrash metal movement. And he worked for numerous metal magazines and labels. And he also made several documentaries called Inside Metal. 
But I actually discovered Bob, I think it was around 2008 or so, uh, when he was doing a podcast called Skull Sessions. And I really loved it because he would interview all kinds of big rock stars and it was just really good. And for some reason, I just wrote him, I told him who I was and told him I loved the show. And he wrote back and told me he remembered Galactic Cowboys, knew exactly who we were. And uh, he was just really nice to me. And he ended up inviting me to come on Skull Sessions as a guest. And over the years, he was just very supportive of my podcast. I remember he'd send me messages and say he was listening to my show at the gym. And I was always so flattered by that. And Bob was just a real inspiration. And I will just miss him so much. And that was just a rough way to end the year. But as they say, rest in peace, Bob. You were a great guy and you were really loved. But as far as the future, uh, here's to hoping that 2023 is a good one. I know the world is kind of insane right now, but hopefully that will turn around. I have some cool things planned. Uh, first of all, in March, I'm going to be at the Rock and Pod Expo in Nashville. It's the 17th through the 19th at the Convention Center, and they were kind enough to invite me to be a guest. I'll be hanging out and talking about the Rockcast and meeting all of you. And I'm going to bring some of my paintings and prints. And, uh, you know, you can either look at it or even buy some stuff. Either way, it's basically going to be a blast. So I hope you'll make plans for that. And uh, also go check out my website, monicolvinart.com. I'm constantly putting up new rock star and celebrity paintings. And it's just a very cool website that I hope you'll all tell your friends about. But I've just got time now to hand out one more rock casty. And the category is Best Mashup. And I'm sure you know what a mashup is. It's when uh, somebody takes two songs and puts them together and it just becomes one wacky tune. And my buddy Jeff Moore is always sending these to me. And uh, one day this year, he sent me this one. It's a mashup between Minute Works' Land Down Under and Metallica's One. And a guy named Bill McClintock did this, and it's called Land Down One Der. And I found it to be a hoot, and so I thought I'd take you out with that song. But that's going to do it for me for now. I hope you have a great new year, and I'll talk to you soon. But until then, this has been Monty saying, take care. Don't let anyone tell you what to like, unless it's me. And rock on.